This is One in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 54 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning, I am very pleased to have author, Ben Levin and his mother, Susan Levin, on the show. Good morning, Ben and Susan. Good morning. It's wonderful to have you here today, uh, albeit via Zoom, because we are still doing these interviews by Zoom. Um, But I can see your faces, and it's really nice to feel connected in that way. So thank you for giving us the time today um, to learn about your work, Ben, and some of your background and who you are. Uh, And Susan, I think, here to jump in at any point um, with some you know, supportive details. I'll try to use some author language, some um, some background information uh, wherever you'd like. But this is just going to be a conversation that allows our listeners to get to know you, Ben, um, for me to get to know you a little bit and for you to talk about both uh, your journey uh, as a young man, you're 18 years old, and uh, and also as an author. So without further ado, Ben, can you Tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe go as far back in your childhood as you'd like to go. Where did it all start in terms of writing? I've been making up stories ever since I was very little, but I didn't actually start writing till I was almost 11. Okay. When I was 10 over the summer, I was in making up this story I really liked that my mom kept referring to as a book. And that got me thinking, I turned this into a book. Okay. So I'm just taking some notes here. So, so let me ask you a question about that, Ben. Um, Did you, before you started writing and you were uh, making up stories, were, were you a young kid who liked to be read too? Did you always have an interest in stories and, and having somebody tell you stories or read you stories from when you were little? Absolutely. Yeah. I've always loved being read to as a child and I also loved making up stories and talking about stories and books. Did you have a favorite book when you were a kid that you remember? I loved a lot of books. I read I read Dr. Seuss. Mm-hmm. I I read some Disney books when I was pretty little. Clifford. <gasps> I, I read love them, Clifford. <laughs> but I barely remember that. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I read I was obsessed with elementary school chapter books for four years. Okay. And I loved Lemony Snicket, Harry Potter, and the Chronicles of Narnia. Absolutely. I I also really like biographies. Okay. So I think that what you're telling me here is that you do. You've always had um, an interest in and a love of books starting at a very young age. And I asked you that because now I want to go back to something else you said, that you were making up stories since you were very little. Where did you keep those stories? Did you all keep them up here in your head? Or did you, would you dictate them to somebody who would write them down for you? Did they come out in pictures? Where did you, where did you keep all that information before you started writing? I just played with it, I guess. I, 
played with the stories. I sometimes I had this game when I was little called doing a story, which I'd typically do with a family member or a friend or or an adult in a homeschool program I did when I was in elementary school where we'd either tell a story together or we'd get my toys and we'd do and we'd make up the story with them. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a great game. I used to be an elementary school teacher. It sounds like a great game to, um, to do in a classroom with kids too. Um, okay. So uh, Ben, do you want to talk a little bit about growing up and, and being a young man now uh, who with autism and what that journey has been like for you? Cause I have a feeling that it's going to connect to us talking about the books that you've written of which there are a lot. <laughs> we covered that before. Um, and, and I think it's something that I understand you're very passionate about in terms of um, maybe getting that your, your story out um, to people your age and maybe even people who were younger than you. So what would you like to say about that? I could go on for like an hour about this. <laughs> so I was diagnosed with autism at the age of four after showing very clear developmental delays. Short, a couple of years after that, my mom found this group that was known for curing autism with a program which would, sorry. Okay. This program, which I mentioned earlier, the homeschool one, where an adult would try and entertain me for an hour. I did the program for years and while it definitely opened me up a lot, one thing which really, one thing was kind of challenging about it was the fact that its goal had been to change my brain in a way. And it became especially problematic after I took a test when I was 11 and since then, I felt like I'd recovered and no longer had it. I do want to clarify before we keep going that RISE is a great program with great intentions. It's just their message that autism can and should be cured. That's the main issue. They're mm-hmm. still wonderful people. I do want to make sure that's clear. Okay. Thank you, Ben. I've, I had issues with wondering what it meant to be auto- to have recovered from autism. Mm-hmm. I talked, I, I went through a lot of struggles in fifth grade, which with trying to figure it out, and it wasn't really helped until the next year when I made a friend who was also on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Who, and then... Two years later, I went to a wall school for five years, and in eighth grade, I transferred to a public school. Mm-hmm. And sometime during my first few weeks, I got into a fight with a friend about whether or not you can recover. And so I knew most of the world what believed 
that you can't. I was afraid to tell people because I didn't want to seem like a crazy liar. Sure. At first, it was like that, but I think ever since Sunrise, doing the program made me feel different and and even especially in the later years after I was more aware of autism made me feel less than and it felt and that's part of the reason why I went through so much confliction in fifth sixth seventh grade because I was trying because I felt like autism was a curse to my identity that was forced to be a major part that I didn't want in it. Mm -hmm. And then this year in 11th grade, I started feeling stifled by having a secret. And last February, after really thinking about it, and we realized that what Sunrise had done was merely lowered my needs and not made me no longer autistic. It was hard to accept. Took one very painful weekend, but when I finally accepted it and accepted that I should actually see autism as a good thing, it was really powerful to then last month in April, I chose this month specifically because it was Autism Awareness Month, which should be Autism Acceptance Month. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. I, I posted my story about wanting to accept myself and my autism on and social media and... It was amazing. I got a lot of replies from friends and wow. And it was and it felt like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. I also want to focus more on the gifts that came from being autistic. Okay, Ben, I'm, I'm really not- I'm going to I'm just going to stop you there just for one second. Hold that thought. I'm so sorry, but we have to take our break, but it's a perfect place to take a break because you just brought me through a whole lot of emotion and feeling. And I am just like so thankful that you shared what you did so far. So we're going to take a minute, not even a minute, a couple seconds. We're going to come back. And then I want to hear the rest of what you were about to say about what happened after you chose to post your story after such uh, an incredible experience of what sounds like just self-reflection and recognition and, and, and turning into who you are now. Um, so, so let me take uh, just a few seconds. We're going to be quiet. We're going to come right back. Pass it on. Imagine a little lady who wouldn't give up her seat on the bus, a TV host who wanted to be your neighbor, or an inventor whose 10,000 failures didn't stop him. These vivid images all share the same caption, inspiration. These people just did their best and they inspire us. Now, what will you do to inspire others? Inspiration is in you. From PassItOn.com. This tree was never chopped down because this crutch 
never needed to be carved because these legs never grew weak because this child never got polio. Over the past 20 years, Rotary Club members have helped immunize over 2 billion children against polio. Now we are on the brink of eradicating this crippling disease once and for all. But we need your help. Thanks to an historic matching grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, every dollar Rotary raises will work twice as hard to make sure vaccines reach the people who need it, to protect the children of the world against polio forever. This is an opportunity to end polio now. Visit rotary.org slash end polio. Rotary. Humanity in motion. And now, 1 in 54 continues on 100.7 WHUD. This is a weekly community affairs program presented by the Anderson Center for Autism. Welcome back to 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and I'm talking today with Benjamin Levin, Ben Levin and his mother, Susan. Um, ben is an author, uh, and, and I think that we'll come back sometime toward the end to talk more about uh, at least your most recent book, but certainly where people can go to get the rest of all of your stories and books that are available. But I need to just pick up where we left off, which is when you were telling this um, incredibly personal and very important story about your experience uh, up to just last month in April of 2021, right? When you chose to tell that story on social media and you said you I can see you, our listeners can't, but you got a big grin on your face and you said that you got an amazing response. So can you pick up there and tell us some of the things about that response and, and how it made you feel? I was, well, I was actually going to move on to the gifts. I'll definitely go That's into fine. the response. However you want to go, Ben. people told me that they were proud of me and that I was incredible and I remember one girl sent me this text saying I'm, I'm so proud of you I know this it, don't think for a moment anyone will see you as less than a person I know this isn't an easy thing to go through but your true friends will be proud of who you are not ashamed you are not defined by autism you are Ben you've always and will be Ben so be proud of that I, the text was a little out of the order I put it in, but that was what she said. Great text. That makes me feel good. So it must have made you feel really amazing. Yeah. Good for you. And my brother says every autistic person has a superpower and that mm -hmm. mine is my writing. That's the major, that's one of the two most important gifts I got from it. The other gift was the friend who's also on the spectrum who helped me when I was struggling and who's and who my friendship with helped me get through a lot. So there are two golden gifts, right, that you that you saw more clearly after these about 18 years of life where you had an experience that I would think uh, some people might have had similar ones. They may not be uh, quite ready to share that experience or feeling up to it. Um, but I would imagine that by you sharing it, Ben, not only are you touching the lives of people who read your post 
and responded to it, but probably others who may read it and never say anything, but are also affected by it. Maybe family members, maybe siblings, maybe people who go to school with somebody who, um, or several people who have autism and they've never really thought about what's underneath the surface. So I, I just applaud you. Thank you for, um, for choosing to do that. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share right now about uh, being a, a young man with autism? Any messages that you'd like to give to somebody who might um, be feeling a little bit about how you were feeling maybe autism five years ago? Yeah. Yes. Autism should not be seen as a setback or something that makes someone feel like they are less than human. It should I want with my writing to be an example of how autistic people can do just as many amazing things as neurotypical people. Look at Greta Thunberg. Yep. Look at her. And look at you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that's what I want to be an example of with my writing. Sorry if this is redundant, but that uh, if I, as an autistic person, can write a book like the whole what can't autistic people do i i think that that's a great message and something that people should think about very seriously because when you get to that you know to that question probably the answer is is really nothing on that list that that can't be accomplished in some way so so let's talk about in the whole a little bit um ben I, I watched a video um, where you were, I think, giving sort of an overview and a little, a little very short documentary kind of about um, how the idea first came to you um, to write about a, a family uh, with children, right, uh, who be became homeless. Um, so I guess... I, I, you can tell the story if you want to about about how you why you decided to write it. Um, but I'd also love to hear what you hope people who read it sort of get out of it. Why why should people read this book? People should read it because it shows it raises awareness about the homeless crisis and also shows just how much homelessness could happen to anyone. Mm -hmm. it, Go ahead. I don't know what I was going to say. Right? Okay. So, so I've heard uh, people say before that, you know, if you really think about it, a lot of people are just a few steps away from being homeless. If, if a bunch of really tough things um, happened kind of all at once and you weren't prepared. What my understanding about this book, um, there's a couple things that I really thought were cool about it. Um, one is that when you're, when you were interviewed in this, in this video um, and can the video be found on your website, Ben? Is it yes. there? Okay. So let's, let's share that the website for people to go to, because you're not going to learn everything about this amazing young man um, on this interview today. So please visit benlevinauthor.com. That's B-E-N-L-E-V-I-N author, A-U-T-H-O-R.com. And you can get more information about all of the books and stories as well as in the whole, in this video I'm referring to. But one of the things that I thought was great was when you said that writing the book actually led you to talk to people who had been personally affected by 
both alcoholism and homelessness, and that you then chose to go back and edit your book by adding details because of what you've learned from the personal interactions with people. Um, I thought that was really cool. And I also, um, so any comment there about, about those experiences, talking to those people and going back and making changes? Some people don't like to go back and make changes to something that they feel is already done. <laughs> I, I have something to say to authors about that, if any authors see this. Go ahead. I have this story called Aldi in the Race, which is currently self-published. Mm-hmm. which I literally thought was perfect when I first wrote it and didn't need edits. However, when I showed it to a publicist, she showed me several things that were wrong with it and helped me realize that I that, that no story is truly flawless and that there's always room for improvement. I'm I'm not great at taking criticism for my work. Anyone who's worked with me can tell you that. But (laughs) what I've come to understand is even though when someone attacks your writing feels as though they're attacking your children, if that's not an offensive comparison, I, it is worth hearing the criticisms to make, to see if you can make your book better and in the end, you will be glad for it. That's a great message. And I, I think that uh, a lot of authors probably don't quite get to where you are with understanding that and appreciating that at such a young age. Um, so that's a, that's a really great lesson to have learned. Uh, I thought it was really cool. And I think for what it's worth, your analogy um, is, is right on. Um, when you're a mama bear or a papa bear with whatever kind of baby you have, whether it's a human baby or an animal baby or a, an idea baby or a book baby, you're going to protect that and love that with all of your might. And so I think that that's a very fair um, statement to make that in terms of how you felt. And it, and it gave me a great sense of how you felt when people were giving you feedback. So, um, all right. I hate to say this because I'm really enjoying this conversation, Ben, uh, but we have to wrap it up. This goes very quickly. So we have about a minute left and I would love for you to take that minute. Uh, I'm going to give your website one more time, which is benlevinauthor.com. And please go check it out because there's so much there. Um, self-published works as well as in the whole, which is available for sale right now. Um, But Ben, on any topic, what do you want to say? What, what do you want the people listening to this podcast to, to know or to think about in in anything that you think about and that, you know, what do you want to share? I just want to say my two main things, follow your dreams and embrace yourself. Also, reading and writing. Reading and writing. A good plug for reading and writing. Excellent. We have a lot of the same taste in books. I grew up with my parents reading the Chronicles of Narnia to me at bedtime. And uh, I love those stories. And, And I really do appreciate you coming and sharing on this podcast with me today your story. You talked about it being... Uh, 
a, a painful weekend coming to this realization, maybe of the importance of embracing yourself and following your dreams. Um, but it also sounds like you've just gone through a tremendous uh, period of years of growth and self-awareness and understanding. And I think that you prove as a model to other people. So I'm just absolutely happily surprised and thrilled that you came on the podcast today to share that. And again, go visit benlevinauthor.com for more information about the books. Ben and Susan Levin, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having us, Eliza. All right. Best of luck to you. I can't wait to hear about the the future books and and the rest of what you take on in the future, because it sounds like it's going to be great. This is 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I am your host, Eliza Bozenski. And remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to 1 in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week. 